Alrighty then. Last of Us breakdown technically seven and eight today because we missed um, episode seven due to our own circumstances and probably just poor planning. But <laughs> that is besides the point. We're here now. We're doing it. Um, and I mean, honestly, I think it's a blessing in disguise because I really didn't have a whole lot to say about episode seven. So um, high level episode seven continues right after Joel is injured. But um, it's really a flashback to kind of fill in the story of Ellie and how she, her life was prior to meeting Joel. And I think Jordan, me and you had talked about this offline, that this is the additional um, gameplay they added after the fact for the game. I don't remember playing that uh, that stuff. It was like a DLC or something. It's on the PS5 version. So for anyone who has the PS5 version, you can play it, but it's recommended to play it after you beat the game. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't really remember that portion of the game. I know I played it, but again, this was what, 10 years ago. Fourteen, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I went back and I just watched like the cutscenes. It's only like a two hour DLC. Um, and it's really dope. I, I guess high level thoughts. I like how it played out in the DLC more. Not that the episode was, wasn't good. Um, it just had a little more like thrill suspense to it. Um, but I guess we can get into it later. I don't know how long we want to spend on it, but I'm getting into it. Yeah, I don't think we'll spend too much, probably like maybe 20 minutes yeah. or so on on this episode because there's really not a lot that happens, or at least not that we're really yeah. surprised about. Like, to me, it's more of like, hey, this is world building of like what it's like to be a teenager in this post-apocalyptic world and like what is the future that you have kind of laid out before you. Um, and I think it says more about, and this is foreshadowing, to the end but it says more about like the character of who ellie is like how she responds to like being confronted with death effectively or at least what she thinks is going to be death yeah i hate to say this but i think that this was the first episode that i was bored <laughs> that like <laughs> the the episode starts with like Joel is dying. Oh my God. And then it does the flashback. And I knew immediately where the flashback was going. I knew for sure that it was going to end in her getting bit. So it's like, I know where this is going. And then I spent the rest of the time with, like, I get that Ellie, it's a way of showing how Ellie was be before this moment. And it, it helps highlight and contrast her change or who she is between these times and the effect that this experience has had on her as a character. Um, and I really didn't need to go on a date with two teenage girls. And I had no interest. It's <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> it's like, I hope you guys have a great time. Enjoy yourselves. Um, I'm going to go have a beer and do anything else. <laughs> so much of watching it was just like, I was just bored. <laughs> I was so bored. And then and then the part that I got interested in was not it was like Ellie was bit, but also her friend was bit and they're there bit together. And it's like, oh man, that was like the drama. I was like, oh shit, okay, they're gonna go out together. What does that look like? Does one person what is Ellie like when she watches her friend turn? 
And how does she end up in the hands of the Fireflies who then try to you know, get her to Joel and so on? And they didn't show any of it. And so like yeah. the, the part that woke me up, I was like, they just, they just cut it short. And I was like, oh, no, you should have. I didn't need to be on a carousel. You could have at least cut the carousel <laughs> and let us have this, this part of the story. I wanted this part. <laughs> yeah. Um, after all, it was very just a lulled. It was like a lull. Yeah, and I, I, I think what what I would have done differently is there was parts of this story, whether it's at the beginning where show more of that like Fedra teenage world, and like mm-hmm. even show I forget the friend the the girlfriend's name so Riley Riley, show more of Riley before so we get to know her like you can like cut up some scenes where it's like okay here's them when they first meet here's them now here's when Riley leaves now she's coming back you know what I mean so a little bit more of that. Or and like ramp up the tension between like why she's leaving Fedra kind of thing. Exactly, because there's a lot of backstory there that they get into in the game, um, and and what the game does is they cut in between present and past. Yeah. Oh, so okay. they'll have Ellie looking for the medicine, and she's going into this like shopping center, and there's like the zombies in there. So that's like a thrilling part. And then those the people that you know stab Joel are like chasing them. So you have that aspect, and then it'll cut to the past when it has the lull. So you yep. still get the thrilling moments. And I'm like, this it kept it where you're not like, okay, it's like, come on, let's get through this. Yeah. So that's what the game did well. And at the end, Joe, what you're saying, it worked in the game where it has that like sharp cut where they're like, you know, what's option three? And they're like, sorry, there is none. Let's just wait this out. And then it cuts because you're like, fuck, I know how this ends. Ellie eventually doesn't turn, but her friend does. She has to kill her friend. So it's like, I like how they did that, but it worked better in the game because you had these thrilling moments where they're running through the mall. There's like a horde of zombies and not just one. So it like, they counteract the lull in the game a little bit more in the show where they kind of rely on the, again, that one, that relationship that they're playing on the whole series, two people falling in love, whatever. Um, But I'm with you. It was kind of like, all right, let's get to the next beat, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, part of it for me is like, like if you contrast this to the Bill and Frank, like story, you're basically pulling out an entire episode's length of their relationship. That's in one setting over one night. Whereas Bill and Frank is over a lifetime effectively. Yeah. And yeah. you're supposed to have the same emotional impact that story has with Ellie and and it's like both Bill and Frank were adults so you had more to work with in like who they were as people rather than being angsty teenagers um it it, it just I don't know it, to me it's like and I hate to say this but some of this stuff is it feels so forced and given the modern circumstances of like you're trying like I keep seeing articles about like highlighting the the fact that they're both women and they're in love kind of stuff like the gay love kind of stuff and I'm just like I don't want to look at it this way but I'm like this is like a minor aspect of the story that it's not about like that. It should be about the story that they're telling about the people, not about some characteristic right. of these people. Right. It, 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 they're doing what I just, I worry. No, I think they are. I think they're doing some of what I was worried about, which is that um, they're playing on the um, ideological harp strings of the moment to garner some kind of, um, accolades. I mean, it seems that this is a part of the original story, so maybe not so much. Yeah. And that tempers my judgment on this. 
Um, but they definitely turned up the volume on it, at least with the Bill and Frank episode, since that wasn't actually in the game. Um, but it does seem like, um, to some degree, the only time in this show, besides maybe the first episode, where someone is humanized, where they take the time to humanize people under these conditions, seems to be in gay romances. And that that's weird. It's like, I can't, who else have they stopped to like flush that out with? Like, am I wrong about this? I, I can't, I can't think of an episode where they actually spent the time. It's like, you get Sam, like brief understandings and stuff, but we've never. Yeah, I guess Sam and Henry, they do. And that's not, there's nothing romantic there. Yeah. Wait, who's Sam and Henry? Which one were they? The two, the two brothers. Oh. Two brothers. The one, it was literally. Oh, immediate. yes. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. The dead ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Outside of Ellie and maybe the, the town that uh, Tommy is at, uh, Jackson, everyone is dead. They, they've yeah. come across. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it is like shot by shot the same as the game in that yeah. moment. Um, so I didn't get that at all. I don't think it was, I mean, at least that didn't, I didn't think of that. I was just like, they're missing the thrill and the excitement part that yeah. the game hit. You have to play your game. Right. Um, yeah. so they hit it in the game and I think they missed it here and I relied too much on like, let's show this love story of Ellie and how, when she was like softer and like how she, you know, Riley was like the only person that could tell her what to do. It seemed like, and she would kind of go with it. Um, yeah. And I think I just relied on that too heavy where it's like, this is the second or, you know, what is it? Third to last episode or something. It's like, we're kind of expecting it to keep elevating in excitement. Not like Joel got stabbed. Let's lull you a little bit. Right. Like, like I was hoping they would do like some, like, I think if they wanted to keep the tension, they should do interspersing of Joel maybe. And you could counteract the story that Joel has. Like, like he might be having like fever dreams because he's dying or like on the verge of dying, either with his daughter or like memories of Tess somehow, like whatever, like post, post losing his daughter to kind of keep the tension and like contrast that with Ellie's experience and how she was growing up in this post-apocalyptic world. And then like, I think Jordan, what you're saying too is like, because you're playing a game, you can keep that tension, right? Like if you imagine all stories and like be it a game or be it a movie or be it a book it's all about rising and lowering that tension arc and like building and releasing it so that audiences doesn't get burnt out and in this situation because they can't do the game thing where they keep you engaged with like combat or puzzles to solve they have to ranch it up the drama and so that's why it feels like gay love story feels like this thing that's screaming and pounding at your face if you're not into it especially if you're someone who isn't doesn't resonate with those kinds of stories be it playing on the ideological side of the stuff. Yeah. And that's me trying to play devil's advocate to try and just look at it from a different angle that doesn't have to be ideological. <laughs> I think that's that that's pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Because like it's I... low it's low rung, right? Like the ideological stuff is super low rung. So it's the people who the things that people who aren't looking at this deeply are just gonna latch on to and say, Yes, this is what I hope to see in the thing I'm watching. Yeah. 
it's I, I agree that like there there definitely could be a way to do this right. Like there's no the fact that they took a moment or wanted to take time for the sake of Ellie's character to depict what she looked like as a young idealist falling in love and what that's like under those conditions and how that experience of her being bit and um, her first love being bit, how that affects who she becomes in the story as we know it now, all of that is fine. That All that is fine. The, the issue was something like execution that, like you said, that the fact that the game goes uh, back and forth between the suspense and this, Helps keep it more interesting, which is something you could have done. Joel was stabbed. You could go back and forth between the present and that. And I think that they put too much emphasis in some sense, sense on the idealistic, like it was an imbalance between the idealist romance and the moment where her first love leaves her. Right. And they yeah. didn't go into that piece. And that's the piece that I would have liked to see. So I think you could have either balanced it out between before and after being bit or past and present. And either yeah. one of them would have worked okay, however you wanted to deal with it. I mean, I still biased. To, I want to know what the hell. I would love to just, I don't even need to see the whole thing. I don't even need to see the whole thing. I need one shot that cuts from the past after they both been bit and they decide that they're going to wait there. And you, do they have a gun? I wish they had a gun in that, in that, clip give ali a gun i don't know <laughs> ever find a gun any... with how the, they kill the infected i don't remember how with they a knife yeah oh yeah that's what it was okay or even that could work right a weapon you have you give ali a weapon in that scene and then you you have it fade to black or something and fade back in and you just have a shot nice and close at ali almost like almost like this and she's down contemplating and then it like pans up or something or pans down a bit and you see her holding the gun in present moment to imply that she had to shoot her best friend right, right. you could just you could just have something like just clean like that just to be like so that everybody sees and they go oh fuck did she oh fuck actually i think i think you're onto something with that because i think every other episode that's like ended up to this point has ended with a punchline that lets the audience like live with the actions that happened, right? Like with Sam and Henry, you see Henry's action, but you hear Ellie respond to that action. And it's like Ellie is is distraught. Like something breaks in her brain when she sees what Henry did because of how what he did to Sam. Or with like uh Frank and Bill, you get to live with their choice and you feel it. But with this one, they kind of like pulled away from letting the audience feel what Ellie was feeling. Like they kind of showed it and they showed the stoicism of Riley and how she was okay. Like, you know, I think the quote is like, she's like, we all end up here anyways. It's just some people get here faster than, than others. And, but they didn't show is how Ellie came to turn. Like how did Ellie get from that point where she was panicking and angry to coming to terms that Riley wasn't going to make it. I feel what both of you are saying, and I agree. <laughs> I also, I personally love how it ends. I love, I fucking you love really? it. You really? And you're like, fuck, like, you know what happens. You know what I mean? Like, that's fair. <laughs> just like, damn, it's almost darker that they don't show it to me. Like, it's almost like, ah, but and like, you let your imagination play out how that would have went. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't 
dislike the idea of showing like a like the implication after the fact. Do the the HBO thing, man. Let us fucking see it. (laughs) Just give her a hacksaw. Go to town. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm feeling. I I think what came before. I think you know what I mean. I think for me, it was like if there's a big chase and they're running through the small. And there's like a hundred zombies after him type shit, which is what the game does. Oh, damn. That, to me. <laughs> that tension's way different. <laughs> um, but I, I know what you're saying. I get it. And I, I agree that it's like <clears throat> the execution was off and something somewhere could have gave us more. Um, and we just didn't get it. And so, I mean, I like the episode. It was fine. But it was like, it, for how it's kind of, monotone it was i wish it would have came earlier in the season because at this point i'm like we're almost done let's i want i want to be excited to right. the, you know, to this climax we're reaching you know which they got there with this next episode so it's like oh, oh yeah i think i think you're i think you're there's a good yeah. point to transition to the next episode because i really thought that because i was a little disappointed with seven but then going into eight where it picks up right away with her trying to save Joel's life or at least stabilize him to the point where he's not like totally passed out and unconscious. Like part of it for me was like, you could have, it was, it's like you could take most episodes of this series right now and kind of pair them together as like separate arcs with the exception of um, seven being kind of this interlude where you have episodes like one and two kind of go together. Three is on its own technically and then four and five go together, and then six and eight go together as their own cohesive arcs, where you could tell it tells a whole story between two episodes. And that's why I really enjoyed this episode because it finally it, it kept that tension along each line. Like, kind of, Joe, you brought this up when we were recording about episode four, where you said you could basically have removed episode three because it doesn't move the Joel and Ellie story forward at all. And you could do the same for episode seven and and this is not to say that it deserves to be gone it's just that if you're looking at it from like a plot structure and like how you're moving the main narrative forward it can serve as something that pumps the brakes more than it needs to right right and my critique for any of those episodes is not that they that they should or shouldn't be there or that there's something wrong intrinsically with it it's all about structure and how much it impacts the plot and sometimes the necessity of the episode you know that's it's like i need you to i need this to be of consequence for the characters in a way that isn't just hey look at ellie then and now right it needs to be more concrete than that yeah yeah like what acts like what aspect of the character you're trying to develop in this situation right or like what lesson are you trying to tell through the surrogate of the character you're showing in the story that's why i think like the bill and uh, Frank story works so well because it try it tells a cohesive narrative or a cohesive lesson within that one episode that it, even though it doesn't move the main plot forward, it still feels impactful because of the message it sends. Which is not to say it doesn't. Episode seven doesn't send a message about Ellie, but I just thought it was better executed in episode three. I agree a hundred percent and. That's actually good. Um, I never, I didn't think of it that way, but I feel like I wonder if, if that's the case that they're looking at this, like there's arcs that, you know, continue in like pairings. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're like, okay, episode seven is showing you Ellie. 
she's not exactly innocent, but it's like she's kind of stuck in this world and she's like playing by the, the bright eyed bushy tailed or like yeah, the she, angsty she's saying, teen. <laughs> yeah, she keeps saying I have to go back. I I gotta get up early. And like the Ellie we see now seems like she would not give a fuck about getting up early to go to drill or whatever. Um, but then it comes full circle. I won't say what happens yet, but at the end of eight when we see the climax of that, it's like, oh, see, that's like the full Ellie arc where it's like this, she's like this different person now, way different than she was yeah. then. And then we see the middle and now we see like, okay, fuck. <laughs> Here she is, you know. Um, that's an interesting point. I didn't think of it like that, but that's... Yeah, I, I almost texted you guys this idea, but then I was like, I need to wait. I need... Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like literally sitting there thinking about it because I... I like, if we would have recorded this episode without watching 8, I would have had very little to say. And now that I've seen 8, I have a lot more to say thinking about the overall structure of the narrative in in context, which is, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. But mm. it's like when you zoom out, like zooming in, you can be harsher than you mean to. But like if you zoom out and look at it as like the whole narrative, you get a different picture. Um, I don't know. It's interesting to me. Yeah. Can we just stop for a second real quick, though, and just say, this is, I guess I'll say this, but, like, how fucking good was episode eight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck. I was like, man, it was dope. Dude, oh I am so glad that finally there's a bad guy that earns it throughout the episode. Because yeah. at first I was like, oh, he's going to do the thing that I thought he was going to do. He didn't do it. And then, like, over the course of the episode, he be like he becomes this villain. Rather than being like, oh, he's the bad guy. I'm supposed to think he's the bad guy kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I knew he was probably going to be the bad guy anyways. But, like, I was like, wait, this is not. It, it was kind of subverting my expectations early on. Yeah. Uh, dude, he was yeah. I, I liked, uh, you know, I, the real commentary I have is for, like, things later on. But, like, <laughs> the whole... Um, Ellie holding them hostage and all that. That was interesting. I thought the um, the conversation at the fire. Mm -hmm. right? So she shot the deer. She's tracked the deer. She ran to these two guys. These They're all... You know, one guy goes to get penicillin or whatever. Yep. Which, by the way, I don't think that's how you... <laughs> you use penicillin. I don't think you stab the wound. <laughs> the penicillin. You know, I, I was funny. wondering about that too. But, you know, hey... She's never seen penicillin before. She's probably never seen a drug injected. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I don't know if I can do any better. I have no idea. <laughs> but I was like, I don't think that's it. <laughs> oh, my God. But, like, that whole scene at the little campfire while she's waiting for the medicine to come by and yeah. their conversation as it slowly progresses and you start to get, it's like, just the moment. I loved how they had him, um, like, do a like hard right turn at the very end and be like, like you think that he's going to tell you his reasonings for believing in God and all of this stuff. And then the reason is like that these things happen. I forget exactly how he puts it. He's like, everything happens for a reason. And it turns out God brought me to you because you killed our guy. And I was like, Oh, oh bitch. Yep. Yeah. When, when I like heard that line and he's like, you know, one of our guys died. He was a dad. And we, we heard words that he was with a little girl, the guy who killed him. And yeah. I was like, shit. Because I was thought he was just totally just like just some random group of people that had no connection to the 
Joel being stabbed. I, I forgot about this in the game. And apparently this is like really close to what how it happened in the game. It's fucking um, like almost seen to it's like everything's the same and then almost a the whole episode is kind of crazy but i all i can say is i can't wait to replay this in the game now that i've watched it because i just want i can't wait to have the side by side i wouldn't watch it. i was like let me see the 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 game version because i was like i don't i was like i remember the 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 ending with the mm-hmm. fire shit, and i was like i remember that and i'm like i don't remember this and then i was like oh this is like exact the same thing that's crazy Which, it speaks to like these people making this game snapped. They got off because <laughs> these writers for the show were like, we can just, we'll just do what you did. It almost, it's to a T. It's like being, <laughs> I'm watching. These writers, the writers are probably like, yo, this is great. Like, I don't have to do my job. Like, we just yeah. take these lines, put them. <laughs> I have to do it. Yeah, we just like, we're John. <laughs> I mean, in the, the acting and the casting of um, David. David, holy fuck. I mean, like, he looked, he seemed like a kind, caring person, like a God, mm-hmm. you know, respecting person and just like one of the best. And I was like, okay, we'll see where this goes. Maybe he'll try to bring them in. Maybe someone else is a bad guy. And that line that, like, and he's with the little girl. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's not who I thought he would. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, when they had that first, like, interaction in, in, like, when he was doing his sermon, I think it was, like, yeah. he was doing, like, that first speech where you first meet him and the people of his group i was like oh okay so he's just kind of like this guy who's trying to do his his best by the people he has and they're in a place that's cold and frozen and they don't got a lot of food i'm like damn that's kind of messed up like yeah if you're living in this kind of place and it's winter time and you don't have a food system anymore uh yeah being able to feed that many people or even just like say you had to feed 10 people would be a challenge um and now you got like, I don't even know, 30 people. It looked like at least like it was not a small amount of people. And, you know, when he when that little girl kind of talked back to him, I expected him to be more harsh in that initial like sequence. I, I anticipated like, oh, they're trying to set this guy up as a new antagonist. And then they didn't do that initially. And I was like, ooh, OK. And then it was like that campfire sequence where they start giving you the breadcrumbs of like, oh, he. Ellie's bringing out the true characters of this guy somehow. And, and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Yeah. I don't know. He creeped me out from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I thought the, yeah. the whole fucking sermon thing was creepy. You had a bunch of quiet people in this lodge. I was like, the next thing I know, they're going to be burning statues of owls and running around <laughs> naked in the woods. <laughs> like, this is I creepy. mean, Definitely had culty vibes. Yeah, culty sure. vibes. I kind of <laughs> thought that, I, I honestly, this was a thought that I had when I was watching it. It, it. Just like I had one of these like insight moments. Like I kind of wonder if there's a lot that what happened in the culture was something like Christianity, like evangelical fundamentalist American Christianity um, became super litigious, became kind of this thing, something kind of like what you're seeing with this kind of, cultish behavior right and they get real uh god hates fags kind of attitude not a, you know not to that degree necessarily but it definitely there's a certain part of the culture that ostracizes um gay people right out of the church mm. and there's a certain particularly within fi- family dynamics and how traumatic that can be so what you have is you have a whole bunch of young um christians who are gay who 
are ostracized and who are traumatized by their families in the church, they go into some portion of them go into the arts and make pop culture and they start spreading a narrative and part of um of choosing your own family this idea has been everywhere that it's like it's not the family you're born with it's the family you choose right and and this is something like um a realization or a meaning made out of the trauma that many of these people experienced um and and i wonder if something like that is part of what we see in in shows like this is that it's like oh like some of this is a means of exploring who your real father is right for like if she if she's the ego of the writer in some sense right and she's a gay character right she like her or she doesn't have her real father for whatever reason who is the real father what this what does that kind of character look like who might that be like i i mean this i have no idea if any of this is true but it, i just I was like, oh, I wonder. I wonder how much, if what we're seeing there's a trickle down effect from kind of a litigious Christianity making its way into the arts. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting take because, I mean, we'll get into this once Ellie, the story progresses once Ellie gets captured because I think you see a lot of like what's going on behind the scenes there, or at least I think, and Jordan, we won't linger on this, but you'll understand what I mean. But I think. I felt that the scenes toward the end of this really foreshadowed the Ellie we will see in season two. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. I didn't catch this before, obviously, because we didn't know that season or episode two or part two was going to come out. But I'm like, oh my god, there it is! Like, yeah. th- there's there's the reason we saw like why Ellie became the Ellie we saw. It, well, while it feels weird for the casual audience from the games perspective, at least. I'm like, nope, totally checks out. <laughs> um, and so we won't linger on that part, but I, I think you're spot on with something with that, Joe, because it's kind of almost like, at least in the case of David, he's looking for someone who is like an equal, right? And he can kind of somehow, not with really brute force per se, but he probably does do it off screen, but he's really keeps people in line because of like a force of charisma in some sense. Like it's a charisma, but it's like an underlying threat. And like, he didn't want to be this leader, but like he's happy to take control, especially because society failed. Like he always want, I think part of him is he wanted to be in control, but he could, because society was keeping him in line. It kept that narcissistic, sadistic side of him from doing it. Yeah. He's definitely a narcissist. Like you can see, Like, um, he's not full blown narcissist. They talk more, (laughs) but like, (laughs) but you can tell that he's at least self-righteous. I don't even think he's really a religious figure. No, I don't think, I think he's using that as like a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Right. I think that he just thinks that he's fucking incredible. Look how great I am holding these people together and all this stuff. And it's like, he finally has the opportunity to like take charge of other people in the way he always wanted and felt like he deserved. Like, it's strange. To me, it felt like the Dark Ages reasserting itself. Like, that old-school mentality of, like, a king who can just grasp power, and because he talks with more force, or is the one who's willing to make a decision, which we'll get to what I mean by make a decision um, toward the end of the episode, 
he can basically like take the mantle of I'm the one in charge. And and that means people, a whole bunch of people make really horrible decisions, either not knowing it or just going along with it just because of that. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're both right. Cause um, he mentions he was a teacher before and who knows mm-hmm. if that was true or not. Right. But I don't, that's not the point, but the point is that it seems like he has a capacity and puts on a good facade of a good person or a good man, the charisma, right? Someone that you want to follow that you try, like you literally in that conversation at the fire, you see Ellie put her, she literally puts the gun down. So she puts her guard down. Um, and I, I, I'm confusing if that might be in the game or in the the show, but she literally like puts the gun down. At I think it's, it's in, it's in the show. Cause it's, she was okay. like, had it pointed at him for like majority of it. And as he keeps talking, she kind of lowers it and puts it off. Right. So like, he's like, you know, chiseling away at her armor with his words, but not in the like antagonistic way. It's like kindness. And it's like, okay, I can, I can trust this guy. So like he has that capacity, but this underlying thing that I'll jump at a little bit, but at the end he says like, I'm a, you know, I'm a violent person. Like, and I've mm-hmm. always been that way. And so it's like, that's who he really is. And when society collapsed, that was able to come out. And he had followers that he's like, they're going to do what the fuck I say because they will. I'm better than. <laughs> he's like, if not, they're going to feel my wrath. <laughs> right. he, he thinks he's superior. And you can see it in a lot of little ways throughout the episode that I'm like, this is just fucking dope. Um, like when he goes back with the, you know, they get the deer from Ellie because she, you know, takes off. Um, when they're eating, he's feeding his congregation or whatever. And you notice the little bowls and they're all like fucking scarfing it down. He has this big ass plate. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he's like eating calmly. Like it doesn't seem like he's really starving. Like he makes sure he's good. And I'm like, Jesus, like the dude really thinks he's like literally above them. Like he deserves more because whoever he is. Um, and the last he's arrogant, part is, at least. Arrogant as fuck. And, and <laughs> they succeeded with David where they failed with Christine. And that's one thing I kept thinking. Yeah, you're totally right in comparing them. Christine got two episodes and they didn't achieve with her what they were able to achieve with David in one. Yeah. Uh, And so that was something I noticed. But yeah, I mean, fucking. (laughs) Right. I also think, too, part of it is because they ratcheted up the tension. Like right after. So Ellie leaves with the with the um, penicillin to like. She runs back to Joel to like get him back to health, and she has a little bit of time to kind of like keep things from devolving further. But it, immediately, David's like, "Well, by the nighttime, we'll go back to the lodge. We'll bring the deer back. We'll become, you know, we'll be heroes because we, you know, provided food. And then we'll bring a group of people out and be like, yeah, we found, we know where the like at least what area roughly where the guy that killed one of our guys is.'" And we're going to, you know, bring justice. And, like, I think part of reason it worked is because you you see, like, the group of people making decisions that are outside of what he wanted because they're like, no, we want the girl. We want to bring her back for whatever reason. I'm like, and but they didn't even want to bring Ellie back because they're like, that's another mouth to feed. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> um, And you just see, like, Ellie kind of thinking on the fly being a teenager again of, like, I'm going to cause a diversion. And I'm like, why would you do this? Like, you're totally unnumbered. <laughs> um, and like, long story short, she gets captured. The horse gets killed. And um, as they're about to execute Ellie, David asserts control again. 
and shoots the gun to kind of get everyone's attention. Like, nope. It's like, well, if you want to go like assert, you know, medieval justice, go find the guy because he's got to be around here somewhere, but you know he's injured. So go find him. Take care of it. And I like that. I thought it was really fun. (laughs) Yeah. It, 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 is it the next scene? Is it the next scene when she's in the, the cage? We, we, we could talk about what, whichever part. We could talk about Joel and how he is barely a functional and does his thing. Or we could talk about Ellie in the cage. Let's do Joel first because from the cage, we can kind of just, I feel like we can finish it off from there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, it seemed like you wanted to talk about the cage. Oh, I, yeah. hate, it. I hate it. I think I'm going to be honest. There's more to say about the cage than anything else in this whole yeah. episode. Joel's <laughs> yeah. um, you know, before Ellie is like, I'm going to lead them away because they find out where they are. She gives them a knife and is like, don't fall fucking asleep, dude. Like, they're coming. If anyone comes in here, like, fucking defend yourself. Don't fall asleep. And you can see him kind of like, what? Like, he's like so spaced, right? But he, yeah, dude. Just, he gets enough of it. And he's, you know, he's been around the block. So he's not, you know, he knows what's up. Um, but I mean, also you see kind of this badass version of Joel where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is who he was before. Survivor Joel like, comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, there's like three or four or something like that guys that are looking. He takes care of all of them. Um, and he notices Ellie's gone. And so he has to interrogate him. So we revisit what he did with the old couple a couple episodes ago that I love that they brought this back where he has one of them tied up on the ground, another one in a chair, and just brutal as fuck, stabs this guy in the knee. <laughs> and is like, tell me where, you know, where she is. And he better not be lying. He better, he's going to point to the same place. If you're lying, I'll kill you, whatever. And the guy tells him, Joel kills him, right? <laughs> the dude on the ground is like, why'd you do that? You didn't have to, like, fuck you. I'm not telling you anything. And this slide right here gave me chills. But Joel's like, oh, no, it's all good. I believe him. Fucking <laughs> murked, dude. Dude, murked. Yeah. Honestly, that was the closest I've seen to like the video game version of Joel. Like the ver- the version of the character you play in the game, that is Joel, like to a T. <laughs> just brutal. I was like, this is just. And from that point on, I was like, this is just badass. Like this is just intense. Just yeah. It, it felt like a race against time too, because like in that same se- like se- segment of stuff. You know Ellie is captured, and you have no idea what the hell's going to happen. Yeah. And you know Ellie is kind of a smartass, so like she might say something dumb. And <laughs> yeah. I, I do, I do really like that. That scene shows the Joel that everybody alludes to. Yeah, that, like you don't know the kind of guy that this dude is, and then he right that the that exact line that you're talking about, Jordan. I felt the same way. I was like, motherfucker! <laughs> he got to go rainbow. Right. Like right. And he it did... implies too that like he's done this enough that he knows when somebody's lying or telling the truth, and it's like, ooh, fuck. Like, <laughs> like even when he yeah. like that that first guy he kills who finds out where he was like sleeping or like wounded, and he's like hiding in the rafters or where, I don't even know how where the hell he was hiding, but then just comes out and it's like just straight. I'm like Jesus Christ, dude! Like you literally have a fucking abdominal wound and you're still thinking like an assassin <laughs> been around the block <laughs> like you said <laughs> that was what's up. but so that is kind of going in parallel with the 
Ellie is captured and put in a cage underneath the lodge. Um, and this is really where like the climax of the story takes place and where you really get a sense of the true colors of David, which we've already kind of alluded to. But I think what we'll discuss here is really the, the meaty bits of how bad things are actually, or how evil I should say things are actually. And um, some stuff about Ellie and even David that I'm like, whew, this reality is not fun. <laughs> did you plan to say that the meaty bits was that a pun? Like, did you know you're <laughs> like, was that intentional? That was not intentional. That was like, <laughs> episode eight, the meaty bits. Num 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 It's venison. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Dude, I knew it immediately. I was like, you didn't cook it. It's slimy. What's wrong with you, people? I didn't catch that till now. Why? Yeah. She, I mean, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm see, sure they did that just to make it look gross. So the important like, part, too, but... is is I thought, I'm like, damn, they already got the deer back? Because he brings the bull and gives him the meat. And he's like, he's like, what is it? It's venison. And then next scene, brings in the dead body of the deer. I'm like, <laughs> Right, right. Oh, I didn't catch that. And... Seen prior to that, she's like, we'll bury your father in the spring because the ground's too frozen. Yeah, it's messed I, up. I, I picked it's up on messed the up. <laughs> it's like the moment they brought the deer after, like I had a suspicion. I was like, I, the moment they showed the meaty goop, I was like, ew. I'm like, that's gross for a reason. Ew, I bet that's person. <clears throat> and then they brought the deer in and I was like, yeah, that's person. <laughs> that's so, that's <that's> dad. <laughs> this is a weird historical like interlude, but. <laughs> I was immediately thought of a story. I don't know if you guys, Joe, you might know of this because you're kind of a historical mm. like me, but it's the Donner Party. So I don't know if anyone has heard of the Donner um, Party, but is this back we were talking about with my sister at that burger bread burger place in River North. We might have actually. Now that Remember I think that about when it, we went to um, the Gordon Goose Ramsay Island, place, and then after Goose yeah. Island, we went to yeah, yeah, Gordon Ramsay. We were talking a story about some yeah. crazy family that. Like cannibalistic or whatever. Yep, and and so there's a story of of basically when people were going out west for like the gold rush and getting to California, there there were people who would go on the wagon trains, right? But because it was the Wild West, people would take new and imaginative routes to try and save time. And part of the reason they would try to save time is that as you're going out west, when you cross over the Rockies, I believe, I might be getting that wrong which mountain it is, um, but going over the mountains, you, if you were going at the wrong time, you might hit a blizzard and you might have to just camp out because there's no roads, obviously, at the time period. And you'd have entire wagon trains that would get stranded in blizzard-like conditions that you wouldn't know how long they were going to last because there's no way to tell the weather. You just have to hope that it gets warm enough to be able to move again. Um, but one of the parties is called the Gadotter Party, and they got stranded. And basically, the entire family resorts to cannibalism slowly but surely as either people... At first, they had enough morals to not eat people and bury people, but as more and more of them started to starve, they eventually resorted to not only digging up those that had been buried and cannibalizing, but eventually ate anyone who was left. It's really, really dark. And like they've basically found one guy left in the tent who is barely alive and but surrounded by bones. Uh, or at least that's how the kind of fable goes it's really dark He's but a, this is kind of yeah like it's that and maybe this is really gruesome for people so sorry but you know if your discretion is advised maybe but that's really what i felt like this episode really hit 
at of like, this is how bad or sideways humanity can go when we're pushed to our limits. Because you can make these decisions that are just, they sound pragmatic, but they cross a line. It's, it's weird because I can almost forgive them for the cannibalism, given the circumstances. But I don't think that, given who the villain is, I kind of have a feeling that that it wasn't actually necessary. Yeah. Let's <laughs> Seems like it. Especially because, like, like, to me, it doesn't seem like they were that far from, like, Tommy's group. I, I, don't, I don't honestly know how far away they are from, like, Tommy's group, but it felt like they got, like, Joel and Ellie got to where they are pretty quick in comparison. So, like, there's got to be other groups of people around. <laughs> or go south. You'll find somewhere warmer. Yeah, I think it's over a week journey. Okay, so they're not that close. Not yeah, not that close, not that far. Um, yeah, I uh, I missed all of that. <laughs> I was I just like, oh yeah, it's but duh, it's venison, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, why is this guy eating more venison than the rest? Of it? I just was not. <laughs> it was so it awesome. clicked once I saw the them cut to the teeth on the ground. I was like. <laughs> Like everything oh, clicked into place and I was like, God damn it. Yeah, see, I think I missed that. I didn't it didn't click for me until Ellie looked and saw the hand. And then I was like, Oh, oh fuck. And then I was like, Oh shit. Why is there a hand there? Um see so yeah, I was I yeah, shit. Good job, writers. I was missed on all that. But uh, <laughs> it, it was then dude, it seemed like he wanted the venison for himself. And he's yeah. like, I'm gonna have the good meat, but I need you to rely on me, but I need my strength. I have some meat for you guys. You know what I mean? Like, you'll be good. It's uh, all about him. Yeah. Control and power and yeah, all that. Plus, it's like just the way he was talking through the cage. Like, I felt like when they were outside because Ellie had the gun, he was being more like, like with a deference. Like, he was trying to be placating and, and kind of more hospitable. Whereas as soon as he had the upper hand, you know, with the cage between Ellie, the keys and all that kind of stuff. Then you saw the true character of David coming through where like, oh no, this guy's a snake. Like this guy is, doesn't, he doesn't really care about people. Not really. And like for the only reason he's like being honest, so to speak to Ellie is that he sensed that she was resourceful enough in his, in a similar way that he was so that he felt like he could treat her as a peer. Whereas everyone else he saw as like being a, like a level, at least a level below him, whatever that meant. He was on some creepy vibes, right? Like, he was like, yeah. to, like you're my wife type, right? Yeah, it, fe it felt like yeah. pedo shit. Yeah. See, that's that's the part that I was like, oh, God, I hate this so much. <laughs> like, it started getting creepy, and then it started getting real creepy, and then they, like, touched hands, and I was like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Ellie, kill him. Just kill him already. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Uh, I did not like him. Like, he, he just got... Ugh heebie-jeebies immediately like the longer that went on the more i'm like oh no this guy's broken <laughs> right and the thing that extra, is extra fucking creepy about that is the fact that he was a school teacher it's like oh this is not the first time yeah he's he was fake he's a fake he was putting on a act to work within society but probably was resentful and that that line he says to her like you're a violent person and you keep it with i don't know if he says this but like and you keep it within Cause, and I know that because I did the same thing. I think that's what he was referring to. He's this creepy yeah. dude, but he's a teacher and is like, 
Right, he can put on a mask and pretend like he's an upstanding person. Yeah, and he's good at it. I mean, you know, initially it's like, oh, you, you, you've had practice at this. It's not the first time you've done this. Right. Yeah. Like, like for me, it felt like, oh yeah, the end of the world was probably the best thing that ever happened to that guy. <laughs> Unfortunately, for everyone else, he didn't get yes. caught up in the whole ending part. But <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Like sometimes the end of the world or really the collapse of society could be a gift for a certain type of person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I prefer not to meet those people and uh, <laughs> I prefer not to find out who they are after the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. That, that's like the real, like that's the beginning stages of Mad Max shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, luckily, Ellie is, like, who she is. Like, because in my head, I'm like, all right, play it cool, Ellie. Play it cool until you, every, like, wait, like, wait for your moment. He's kind of just, like, you know, when he puts his hand through the case like a fucking creep, and then she, like, touches him. I'm just like, all right, like, just say, I think everyone kind of were like, <laughs> yeah, this, I yeah. didn't like so, it either. But then when she grabs this, she, doesn't she, like, grab break his finger or something? Break his finger, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, I... She should have waited because you'd be good. You probably would have your moment, but also Ellie's kind of like, yeah, fuck you, dude. Like, I'm not playing. This. I think she could sense like this guy is messed up, and like because he was kind of letting his guard down. She's like, oh, I'm gonna take advantage of the situation right now. Yeah, yeah, because she knew she needed to get that key or whatever. Right. But I don't think he she she didn't get the key at that point because that and then no, she got close. Yeah, and they they dragged her out to cut her up yeah he came he came back shortly after with his right hand man was his name james i can't remember what his name was i can't remember but isn't that I, the, I was gonna say isn't that the actor that played the voice actor joel. that did joel yeah did that yeah. Right? yeah yeah troy baker actor uh, he also hosts the podcast the hbo supported oh that's cool yes. mm. um yeah i thought he played a great character i'm gonna be honest it's also just dope that they pulled all these voice actors into the show somehow and made space for them to be able to do it because it's like most of the time these voice actors never get any sort of really acknowledged like they get like you know who they sound like kind of but you don't know like that they actually play these characters right right no i mean it's like good respect so like thanks for what you gave us we're taking us somewhere else but like we'll give you a farewell so to speak um but i love the line I mean, the dialogue here was really dope, but um, when David first walks in and she says something like, what are you going to chop me up into tiny bits or tiny pieces or something? And then, you know, she breaks his finger. He, you know, he gets the key away. He's like, as he's walking away to go, you know, get his guys to do that. He's like, would you say tiny bits? I was just like, dude, fuck, this dialogue is on point. Again, that's all from the game. Like all, and I was shocked. I was like, I can't believe a video. The game said meaty bits too. Yeah, or tiny bits or whatever. That whole sequence is like, I don't think they changed anything really. That's nuts. And I'm like, that's so impressive. And I didn't realize that when you're playing it, we all know it's a good game. But it's like seeing it again now, older too, is like, fuck, I didn't appreciate it even as much as I should have. You know what I mean? Like they really yeah. outdid themselves with this. I'm gonna be honest. Like most of the emotional impact from the first game is still like the ending sequence. 
yeah like re like replay <laughs> like replaying the game i'm having a way more like visceral reaction because i'm like oh connecting lines or just seeing different things that are like different in context of the show but also you know i'm 10 years older than i was you know i'm not some <laughs> i don't even know how i was barely at, like out of high school version of me which wasn't thinking about stories like this <laughs> at this level of detail at least so you you have a way different level of appreciation for it yeah oh, it's good so good it's dope it's just dope <laughs> but she gets out Yep, she gets Me, away. We do that cleaver scene. Dude, <laughs> this is where we are talking about like the intensity and like keeping the, the like the the action where it matters. I felt in like this whole sequence, like her being in the cage and then Joel kind of escaping, getting closer. It was kind of lulling, but it wasn't like detracting so much that we were like losing this like the the tension so to speak because like as soon as she gets pulled out of the cage and i'm like damn ellie like, i was kind of waiting for the joel to like bust through the door kind of thing like the the thing you would expect like the tropey thing and it doesn't happen and then when he like i forget what she says but he like smashes the cleaver next to her instead of hitting her and i'm like uh oh something about something's about to go down and then she grabs it i was like oh like he said yeah <laughs> And you fucking and this, I mean, from here on out, it's like nonstop. Yeah, it don't yeah, stop. I was holding my breath the whole time. I was just like, "Fuck!" And I'm glad I forgot how this part of the game really went, because again, we can all just watch anew. Um, but he like goes full creep mode as like you know Ellie escapes the room. The and, monologue, like, see, this is where the this is where the monologue thing works, right? Like in contrasting this to the Kathleen monologue where it's kind um, of the cliche, like, yeah, holding yeah. you at gunpoint. And it's like, oh, really? You're going to do this now when there's a whole bunch of infected behind you? Whereas in this situation, it's the the lodge is set on fire. It's kind of a slow build, but it's ramping up the tension. It doesn't feel out of place because he can't find Ellie. And it, I mean, in some sense, it kind of matches the game because the game has a lot of stealth components to it. Yeah. So, like, th I thought that really translated well in in how they were telling the narrative yeah for sure and like the it was it was like so dark and i feel like mm -hmm. i love that like red glare of the flame to just like cinematography there was dope um but you know as he's saying his creepy shit basically saying that's going to be his wife and whatever just going on his rant um <laughs> dude when she finally gets him right she She's hiding. She gets this knife, stabs him. There's like a little tussle for a knife. It like falls over. She reaches for it. And then he flips her over. And I don't know what. I, it, okay. So the only part I was like, is he about to do what I think he's going to do right now with the house on fire? This like strike that. But I think that's what was about to happen. Right. Um, I think we all know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't need to say it. <laughs> yeah. And, pick up on that. and then, you know, so she reaches for this knife, gets it. Fucking gets his ass and this shot i'm sure we all did the same thing just yeah. as she's <laughs> cleaving him and just like this low angle on her that she's just bringing this knife down the blood splattering the fire behind her and i was just like fuck like that was that was so intense yeah. and such a shift in her character that it's like she's never coming back from this yeah it was just like anarchy 
you know? It's dark, there's fire, there's blood, there's chaos. They're just like, whoa. Like that's the, that's the, the kind of event that just you don't be, you're not the same person anymore after living through that and also kind of thinking you're alone, right? Like Ellie doesn't know what happened to Joel at this point. Like she knew that he was kind of conscious or semi-conscious, but you know, it's safe bet that she he was probably dead, at least from her perspective. Right? Like either that or passed out still. Um and so she's basically like, this is what I have to do to survive, whatever that means. And so it's like, this guy is just pure evil. And the only way to get out of this is making sure this guy can't find me or get after me ever again. I was, I, um, yeah, I, I think that it, it, there's, there's a kind of like, it's more than just like, she's changing. It's something like, it almost looks like there's a risk that she would go full dark mode until Joel comes. Then I feel like there's a sliver of hope there. I'm glad I want to hear what that. you were going to say though, first, Jordan, before <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was just, um, I, I like how they subverted the expectation that Joel was going to save the day. Cause that's what you'd expect. Um, and he doesn't like Ellie does it herself. Like when he gets there, the job is done. He's kind of like, oh shit. Okay. Well, let's go. You know what I mean? Like she already did it. Um, but yeah, you continue on your thought though. Cause that's really yeah, interesting. That's yeah, building on what you're saying. I think like they mentioned that in the, um, post credits or whatever. Yeah. Being stuff. I'm always a little, I always have conflicted feelings about those post credit things in part because it's like, it's cool. And I like behind the scenes stuff. Like I watched all the behind the scenes stuff for the Lord of the Rings. So I have no real leg to stand on here, but, but the, <laughs> the other part of it is like, um, I, I worry sometimes that it, they're trying to tell the viewer what to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't necessarily need that. I thought maybe it was necessary in a way with game of Thrones because game of Thrones is so complicated. It's a way of kind of speeding up the processing and just keeping everybody on the same page every, as all the pieces are moving. Um, but to some degree, it's like, I didn't need to know that you were trying to subvert the narrative. Like, it's okay. It's like, the, it, it doesn't even feel like that kind of subversion of expectation at all. It felt to me like that was the only way that it could have been in that scene. I'm like, if Joel showed up and saved the day, it, it sort of misses the point. It sort of misses the fact <clears> that she did this whole episode. She's been on her own. And yeah. like, that and she's been trying to save Joel, who's now in a position where he can't do anything. This is a do or die situation. She needs to rise to the top and survive under these harsh circumstances. It has to be her to do this. Otherwise, she yeah. never develops as a as a person. Forget just like I, as a to, character, you know. To me too, it also felt like this was kind of like, did Joel teach her enough to be able to survive on her own? Right. Like right. I thought it was cool, like at the very beginning, like this is such a minor thing, but she's goes out and she's like oh i need to go find food so she finds the deer takes the shot ends up killing the deer i'm like oh look she actually learned something from joel and like in my point of from my point of view it's like if you do this stuff the, the lazy way you just explain away that like joel is off doing something and then ellie just handles on her own rah rah girl power whatever the heck you want to call it um but they didn't do it the lazy way they made it clear that joel was wounded he was he knew where she was but it was like can he get there in time 
like they they set it up so that it, it felt real it felt honest and it didn't and they didn't make it so that ellie was like just the the mary sue that you would expect from the lazy version of this ellie is super powerful and stronger than everybody else no she's just a little girl and she uses her own mind and her own resourcefulness to get out of the situation and with some luck because of the fire like yeah i i think that's the thing about modern storytelling that i appreciate is that before you can bet your ass that it would be joel who saves the day last second you know what i mean that's how it's right. done forever it's like you get mm -hmm. the male hero comes in blah 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 and it it's not so much that they're like we don't need the male hero i don't think that was what it was it's just for the sake yeah. of the story they were telling they were like that's not what that doesn't make sense that doesn't have to happen because then you start getting into like fantasy movie realm shit where right. it's D disney shit <laughs> sometimes people don't get there in time and that's real life you know what i'm saying so yeah. something you can't wait for the hero you have to become the hero um and then i like that ellie, line that was a quotable and, line yeah <laughs> a boss but in ellie's case i feel i didn't think this was something joel taught her i think this is something innate within her that david says her, you're violent you're a violent person I can, I can, I know it. I can see it. So I think Joel taught her a lot, but I think that scene where she's letting, you know, just going crazy on David, I think this is why Joel and Ellie connect and have this like almost immediate connection where like when Joel is in a similar state in the first episode, he's beating the shit out of the guard and she kind of smiles a little bit. Oh shit. Why they work and why almost their connection is so yeah again like immediate right so it's like joel didn't have to tell her that that's just who she is right uh, or she has to i didn't even think of that of being yeah and that's right. why i'm like i like that it maybe they don't need to say it i don't i guess whatever that didn't bother me but like i like that it's like in my head i was like fuck joel hurry up like i kept like, yeah that's what i was thinking i'm like yo joe you can't be lollygagging yeah but then when she does it like oh yeah, she doesn't really need you anymore. It's a, it's now it's a, to me, it seems now it's a, a equal pairing. Ellie mm -hmm. doesn't need Joel. Joel doesn't necessarily need her. They're like on equal ground. Like Ellie can hold her own. Um, it's kind of a, it's a strange coming of age. Yeah. yeah it's kind like, of like a reverse hero's right. journey in some weird sense. I, like she's growing up enough under these circumstances that she's becoming an adult in this way. And I, I think you're right in the innate part. And I, it's not it's not the cheap kind of innate part where it's just like, she's all powerful with the force before being trained and she's better than Luke Skywalker, this kind of bullshit. Where it's just like, there's no real explanation or the, whatever the hell, right? It's the kind of like, no, this is like an animal frenzy. Yeah. Like this is... It's Wolverine, right? Like right it's, it's, this it's, is a letting <laughs> loose. This isn't something... It's, it's her willingness to go there that's... You, in some sense unique but it's not like you're right it's not like joel had to train her to lose her mind in that situation yeah like this is a letting go this isn't a a skill set the skill set is there and that shows the respect for the character of joel because if he was just useless then he, what do you you just have to you don't love that character then they have no point yeah but like right. they so they have that piece with her i think Wenzel, you're right about shooting the deer and then I was, yeah, that felt good because I was like, oh, good. Yay. Joel is like useful. I was like, he's a character who matters in this relationship between the two of them. Um, but 
it, it's also true that she was going into an animal frenzy and that's not something you train. That's just something that you Happens. allow to happen. Yeah. I think, I think part of this too, um, there's, there's two, two parts. One is like, we were talking about in the other episodes of like how they do the duos with like what the duos mean to each other of like, what does it mean to be the last of us? I think in some sense, Joel and Ellie are the, are kind of this weird anomaly in this world where they're the last of us, but they're also like what happens to the last of us who learn how to harness that like animalistic part of what it means to be a survival, like survivalist. And like, can you go dark, but still keep your humanity? And I, and I think part of that comes through with when Ellie realizes Joel is there because at first she's freaking out, thinking it's like someone trying, someone else trying to kill her. And then Joel says the line, and I felt this when he goes, "Baby girl, it's okay, it's me." And I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so I'm like, Joel's like he's like he's he's dropped his guard completely at this point. Yeah. But then you, when you see Ellie's face turn around, she goes from like that full look of horror and like terror and like that like animalistic like backed into a corner to like she realizes Joel and she breaks down. She loses it. And I think like that's what a lot of this is about. Kind of like what I said earlier with like the like with David and like going back to medieval times or the dark ages with eating people. In some sense, Joel and Ellie save each other's soul from going all the way down because they can still have that connection that they have together that's that father-daughter surrogate bond that allows them to be to like connect or like not lose themselves completely to this, whatever the harshness of reality is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. It keeps them human. I think that's exactly right. Um, Cause like, if you thought about this in any other context, you wouldn't think right. Ellie's a hero, right? Yeah. Once I want to mention something to you, but I have to be after the podcast. Yeah. Cause you don't want to ruin, you don't yeah. want to ruin part yeah. two. <laughs> Me, but it's like fuck can't say anything um, <laughs> i can't wait to season two because we'll be able to talk about it god damn i cannot wait dude joe i want you to play this game so fucking bad like hey I, don't, you're, you're not in. I don't have i don't worry i'm actually gonna i'm gonna restart it as soon as i finish part one so we'll we'll be able to get we'll get we'll get there okay <laughs> i'll just uh meander on over to best buy and drop six hundred dollars on a ps5 real quick i just bought mine today I know this is a segue, but I just bought mine today. You get one bucks. I'll send you a link. I got Dude, what's up? I got mine for like cool. EV or with tax. So it was like four ten. But yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, we will talk after. We'll talk it's, after. <laughs> it's like we're doing a drug deal for video games. <laughs> it's amazing. But dude, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess we're at the end. I guess to wrap up, yeah. I'm super excited for the next episode. I after watching like the preview, um, I didn't see what I expected to see in that, so I wonder. I'm just curious how that's gonna, what exactly that's gonna look like. Um, but uh, fuck, I think it's gonna be really intense. Um, if they do what I think they're gonna do, really curious, Joe, what you think? Because ones I know you've seen it, so I'm really curious. Yeah what your impression is going to be because fuck but uh yeah <laughs> yeah i have a i have like 
this much of an idea of what could possibly happen because I, if, if my hunch is right, it might drive people crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, going out with a bang, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, this um, this is the last episode. The next one is right. Yeah, episode nine is the is the end of the the season. So we'll probably have like two more, two three more years before season two comes out. Unfortunately, but it's, they'll get it's, a bigger budget and maybe more time. I, I kind of suspected they had a that they were rushed on the writing process with this. Like, there's there's some like little mistake kind of things that I kind of hmm. wonder if the studio is like pull the trigger let's go write that thing up yeah I mean I'll never know but there's definitely some business money things that got involved like I feel like if they had 15 episodes the issues that we had with Christine would have been there that yeah. episode might have been different I'm just like they could have done more but like working with the, the constraints of... do you guys know how long the seasons were for Game of Thrones were they like 10 season, 10 episodes or 12? Yeah, I think they longer. 12. Like 12, right? I think, I don't remember. I remember that the second to last episode was normally the big one and yeah. like always something wild happened. And then like the last episode was prepping for the next season, I think. Yeah. I don't remember if it was nine or 10 episodes or something. And I feel like their episodes were well over an hour. I feel like it was not uncommon for it to be like an hour 15. Yeah. This is one of the cool things about like the new era of streaming is there's no particular reason why you should stick to an hour format. Yeah. It looks like 10 episode seasons, except for like the last season. Yeah. 10 episodes. Like I would love it if they let the artists just have free range over how long the episode is going to be. It's like, if it needs to be a 30 right. minute episode, cool. If it needs to be an hour and a half, cool. Cause like you Whatever. don't need to do ad spots. Not really. Right. Like streaming doesn't, you don't have to do it all. If, if it's on HBO, like streaming on HBO Max, I'm paying a subscription. They don't do it. There's no reason. Right. Yeah. You just yeah. In right, just a little background. In writing, back in the day, like when uh, West Wing, those eras, you had to write in your act breaks, and that's where the commercials would go. Mm. And so you have to know how to do that. Nowadays, it's you don't really see act breaks anymore. You still need to know what goes in each act for structural purposes, but right. Um, you don't see act breaks anymore because you don't fucking need it. Like Netflix, HBO, right. if you pay for Hulu, if you pay for the... And I bet one. I bet that too is a holdover from like the stage play days too, right? Because you would assume people could only sit in their seat without like needing to go to the bathroom or like just get up and walk around a little bit to just... Because you're sitting in a seat not saying anything and you're just watching a show or performance. Like it gets a little monotonous after a while, so... That makes sense, but like now that you can pause it whenever you want to, right? You can, you know, go do your thing, come back to it, you know, however long you need to. That's your commercial break, so to speak. Right. I, I hope we see that. We I, Game of Thrones kind of did that a little bit. They, I mean, I think the last couple of episodes were like two hours, aren't they? Or close to it? Yeah. Some yeah. of the some of the last episodes, I think the Battle of the Bastards was really long. Yeah. The which was, I mean, that's still probably like top 10 fight, at least maybe top five fight scenes, like battle scenes ever <laughs> committed to cinematography. <laughs> that was impressive. Um, but we're, we're totally tangenting, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have high hopes for season two. I, it'll probably still be nine episodes. Cause I feel like when you get that number, they, you, they usually stick to it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Even if they added one more, I'd be happy. Like yeah. nine, ten, cool. <laughs> I hope they do. I just because, dude, this the part two of the game. I'm just like, just fucking, dude. If it's a hundred episodes, I'm good. Like, I'm in. <laughs> it's like, dude, do whatever the fuck you want. I'm watching I'm here every Sunday, bro. Like, oh, look, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean, all criticism aside, like, I think for even for episode four, we were probably pretty pretty criticism heavy or heavier on the criticism. I still think outside of what this show is compared to like other things that we've seen in the last couple of years, this is a market improvement at the quality, like the level of quality on all aspects that it doesn't feel like it's been phoned in whatsoever. At least as far as I can say, like, like it's well done. And I think, like I, I told you guys in text, getting through like the bill sequence in the game, comparing it to how um, was done in the show, I thought that the show actually elevated it further and thought about it and actually transitioned the sequences a lot better. Um, like gave gave a more optimistic outlook. Well, maybe not even optimistic, just a, just a less cynical take on Bill as a character. Because basically the take you get of Bill in the game is he's a curmudgeonly fuck who doesn't have a purpose in the world anymore. <laughs> and like, he's like, you get the, you actually get that note or you can get the note that's in the house where Frank hangs himself because he gets infected and you give it to Bill and Bill reads it and he's like, well, fuck you anyway and throws it in like, like throws a note and then that's it. Like that's the story between Bill and Frank. And and it's not this hopeful story. It's not this like, hey, we're in this together. It's like Frank is like, I wanted more for my life. And all you would do is complain about this dumb fucking battery for this truck. Well, I fucking got it, but I'm now I'm dead. Fuck you. And I'm like, wow, that is totally not how the story went in <laughs> in in this in the show. And I'm like, damn, they really decided to take that a different direction. I'm glad they went that way. Because I don't think it would have gone over as well had they got decided to keep it true. At least not for my like tastes. I like the optimistic stories, but that's just me. <laughs> Your nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Overall, I like the show. It's enjoyable. It's entertaining. I'm excited for the next episode. I know. Season finale to be continued.